0: Um I'm recording. I can't tell if that's a red light or it's one of my Christmas lights. Like a red <laughs> It's recording. Oh, okay, cool.
1: I, I see a red light, yeah. Okay, cool. And your megabytes is going up. Oh yeah, it
0: is. Okay, cool. Whenever you're ready.
1: <laughs> Dude, what the fuck? Remember
0: not to hit anything. Don't hit your mic. I can <laughs>
1: I well, we're not this isn't. Yeah. We're good. Go ahead we good you want to clap
0: oh yeah yeah three two one all right close enough
1: cool i could really it is not a big deal but i can really hear a lot of sirens <laughs> <safe>.
0: <laughs> i live in uh i live in the city man it's uh it's i'll never happen.
1: forget my my first night at sdsu and i first moved in all i could hear was just sirens everywhere <laughs> that freak like, you out quiet just like it's like quiet little boy from Orange County and, and me, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> is, is SDSU not in a gray area or is it? The immediate surrounding. I mean, as far as like the, the immediate surrounding area isn't that nice, but I mean, it's not like I wouldn't call it dangerous by any means.
0: It's just college. So SDSU and UCSD are different schools.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: How so? Which one's the better one? And then which one did you go to?
1: Uh, on paper, I guess, UCSD, because it's in the University of California system. But the only thing with... I made
0: you say it. I just wanted want to hear it. Uh, you know. The know. only
1: thing with University of California systems, though, is that the, they're more emphasized on research, research, whereas state schools are more emphasized on practical um, skills. <laughs> yeah, fun fact. So the Cal- I'm not knocking on it. The,
0: the California divided itself to three different levels for school at a certain point. This was a very conscious decision where the community there's a community college level, the Cal State level, and the university level. And the college level was you know for associate degrees um, and like trades and stuff like that. And yeah. then the degrees were for the Cal States, and then the UCs are meant for for research. Right? So yeah, all the, exactly. uh, if, if you're a UC, you are doing active research, um, or you're getting okay. uh, f- money from the government, meaning taxpayer money, to do research, which is uh,
1: interesting.
0: Might might play into the topics that we're going to be covering on this episode, actually. Uh, oh. Funny enough. So
1: um, yeah, both great <laughs> colleges, though. Yeah, both great colleges. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> Skip <it if> I, <laughs> I, I. <laughs> anything's possible. Number ten. That's right. Wow. That's right, Lucas. What a journey it was to get here. We are continuously <laughs> plagued by audio issues, internet issues. I am hardwired across my house into my living room right now to the to the Ethernet cable just or to, to the 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 router just to be able to record this podcast and uh. uh what a what a way we've come to get here. That's all I can say. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, I, I having hardware issues for whatever reason. I walked out of my room and walked back in again, and things appeared to be working fine. Uh, so I think things will be good for this podcast. Which uh, I'm I'm covering a very specific topic today, uh, Matthew, and that topic has to do with a little console called the Sega Dreamcast. You want to hear about oh. it? Daddy, break it down. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so, for those of you that listened to our uh, last episode, it was for Jet Set Radio, um, which was a you know very anticipated, awesome title for the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, the Sega Dreamcast guys, uh, what a story behind this console. I wanted to let our audience know. I I think it's one of those things that's very often overlooked. Um, by especially the newer school uh, gamers that kind of joined, you know, post-2000, like GameCube, Game Boy Advance era of video gaming, um, which I would categorize you as. That's not uh, a... I'm not dunking on you or anything. Just when I got into it. Just when you got into it. Um, I got into video gaming slightly earlier because, like I've said before, I have two older brothers that introduced me to stuff like the Dreamcast, um, like the Super Nintendo, and the Nintendo 64, et cetera. Uh, The Dreamcast... Uh, is a home video, was, <laughs> I don't know what we say, is or was a home video game console released by Sega um, in Japan, November 27th, 1998, um, and then released in North America famously on September 9th, 1999, 9999 uh, Great, great marketing there. Um, it is considered to be part of the sixth generation of video game consoles, actually being released a year before in North America, a year before the PlayStation 2, uh, two years before the Nintendo GameCube, and the Xbox. The Dreamcast was Sega's final home console, marking the end of 18 years on the console market. And although the Dreamcast had a short lifespan and limited third-party support, it was praised by reviewers and considered a console to be ahead of its time. It contained games such as Crazy Taxi, Jet Set Radio, Fantasy Star Online, Shenmue, as well as numerous arcade ports. The Dreamcast was also the first console to include a built-in modular modem for internet support and online play.
1: That's Nin- kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, 1998. I mean, yeah, oh, 98. It, it was yeah. made in 98, then released in 2000 in America. Is that right?
0: Uh, 98 in Japan, 99 in America.
1: God, that's insane.
0: Yeah, it hit the holiday season in Japan, uh, November 27, 98. Um, do we,
1: but, yeah, do we, do we have any idea how many games games actually utilize that like there's fantasy star right that's the one i'm familiar with yeah
0: they they were trying to iterate like they were trying to create a bunch of like online services um i'm I'm gonna go into it a little bit one of them was actually led to its downfall which i think is really interesting but there was the ambition that sega had because they knew that home consoles needed to go online um, which i think is a very very ambitious thing for them to do online gaming existed in the '90s, of course, but it was all on PCs. Uh, it was like, like Quake, you know, and, there yeah. was Quake. It was like you know LAN parties, although it's not online. But this is the era of like Counter Strike One, you know, <laughs> Quake, right, yeah. Half Life, and and those other things that were Team you know,
1: Fortress, not Team Fortress Two. TF. Yeah. Not TF2, yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to quote, there was actually a, a, f- a phenomenal article um, that's very informative written by Ben Lindbergh at The Ringer. Shout out, Ben Lindbergh. Um, I do miss Achievement Oriented, one of my favorite video game podcasts. Don't know why they don't keep making them, but um, Ben, if you're hearing this, please keep p- make more. Um, <laughs> so Ben actually opens up his article um, at a 20-year retrospective on the uh, Dreamcast. So this article is already a little over a year old. Um, Ben says that 20 years ago, Sega's last console launched in North America, inaugurating a new generation of video game hardware and a new era of internet-connected consoles. The Dreamcast launch library was large, boasting an unprecedented 18 titles, including classics like Soul Calibur, Sonic Adventure, and NFL 2K. Consumer interest was strong. Sega sold close to a quarter of a million. 199, quarter of a, a million, 199, 199, 199 units and generate hundred, uh, 100 million in hardware, 100 million dollars in hardware and software sales. On the Dreamcast debut date of 9 9 setting a Guinness World Record for most revenue generated in the entertainment industry in a span of 24 hours. Sega, this is made, the
1: release of the Sega Genesis. Sega
0: Dreamcast. Dreamcast so these. When the Dreamcast wow. dropped... Sega set a record because they had so many pre-orders. The marketing was so good in North America for the launch of this console that people pre-ordered like crazy. It had a great launch library. Um Sonic who was apparently more recognizable than Mickey Mouse in 1995. Oh, um that's, that's no insane. that's true. This is before the second era of Disney really started being being a thing, you know. This was like you know, this is in the 90s when Disney was just making, like, princess cartoon movies. Mickey Mouse wasn't, wasn't as big as Sonic. Think about it. Um, Sega made it halfway to a million systems sold within two weeks and passed the million mark in November, easily outstripping the successful PlayStation 1's pace four years earlier in 1995. Okay, to give you a little bit of context there. However, later on that fall... The affordably priced Dreamcast, or I'm sorry, in the fall of 1999, the affordably priced Dreamcast, which was only priced at $200, was the fastest selling, most powerful and innovative video game console of all time. So how did a console, Matthew, released right before the turn of the millennia? With games like Sonic Adventure, Soul Calibur, Power Stone, Crazy Taxi, Shenmue, Skies of Arcadia, Marvel vs. Capcom, Fantasy Star Online, Space Channel 5, Virtual Tennis, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, NFL 2K2, Resident Evil Code Veronica, Resident Evil 2, and most importantly, Jet Set Radio. <laughs> <laughs> How did this console fail? Okay? Uh, that's what I'm here to talk about to our audience today. Okay? You, you interested, Matt? Do
1: I got your attention? It's... It's pretty incredible, actually. Its old. Uh, I know a little bit of it just because I read some of Console Wars. I haven't finished that book yet, but I know the kind of the general background of Sega and uh, a lot of what went on with there, and like kind of how like Sonic and stuff was created as well. So, I'm uh, I'm excited for story time. All right, To, all learn, right. to learn a little bit. I,
0: I divide this up into three three pillars here. We got chapters. We got chapters.
1: Wow. Poor
0: management Well, they're kind of interplay. They're not. They're not directly uh, right, right. chronological. Uh, <laughs> one poor management. Two stiff competition, three piracy. Okay. Great. Okay. So, wow. So yeah. So uh, I just want to reiterate the context here. Okay. Dreamcast. Dreamcast comes out in in uh, North America a year after it's released in Japan. Um, it actually f- had a really tough launch in Japan. Uh, it had a delayed launch. Um, people were really interested in Sonic, but like I, I I suppose it missed like a holiday window that people were really looking forward to in Japan. Um, that was some of the stuff that I was reading about online. But the, regardless, the reputation for the Dreamcast in Japan was not nearly as powerful as it was in North America. So the execs at uh, Sega actually decided that they were going to put all their money on North America. They had a huge marketing campaign. They chose the date, 9 ninety nine for God's sake, for the release of this console, which September is actually a really weird, traditionally, historically, September is a strange launch window for a console. They were actually trying to, you know, get ahead, um, get a clever marketable release date and try and have it, you know, really rocketed off into uh, Christmas that year. This was one year before the PS2 released October 26th, 2000. For context, the Xbox was released in November fi- on November 15th, 2001, and the GameCube was released November 5th, 2001. So the Dreamcast actually was its direct competitor in the console war, was actually the PS2. Uh, a lot of people are thinking, I think the, his, historically we believe that it was the GameCube, the Xbox, and the PlayStation 2 era, those three as the trifecta of consoles that all fought against each other. And they but, did but after- Dreamcast but was Dream, there too. Dreamcast was actually right before and directly competed with the PS2 before the Xbox and the GameCube actually stepped in. But as the Dream, the Dreamcast declined publicly, personally for a lot of people so quickly that the narrative became that the GameCube, the Xbox and the PS2 were the trifecta console uh, of that generation, right? So the Dreamcast releases uh, just prior to the PS2 in North America. Uh, Sega's decided for this awesome marketing strategy, super sick 90s commercials that you can totally look up on YouTube <laughs> of the Dreamcast from back then, they're wild. Um, and it goes head to head with the PS2 a uh, years uh, uh, you know a year later, which obviously the PS2 has a huge backing. It's Sony, right? Huge long, huge company, uh, long time company. Um, a full year of hardware advances on the Dreamcast, and the PS2 has a huge library and a built-in DVD player. So Sega was kind of set up for failure within a year's time, which is a little scary. Yeah. So. There were rumors of hardware additions coming to the Dreamcast through, you know, various rumors and news uh, that came out over the next year. or So, including Dr- the Dreamcast having the ability to potentially have a DVD player attachment, uh, because they were like, "Oh crap, this isn't a DVD. <laughs> this isn't. This can't play DVDs, but the PS2 can." Was it?
1: Was it cartridge? No, it no, wasn't. It was optical. CD.
0: It was CD. Yeah. But and they had, um, they had the ability to play CDs didn't have the ability to play dvds so there was rumors of a dvd player attachment classic sega style of just (laughs) getting an attachment onto a console and there was also rumors of an mp3 player that would kind of go along with their really unique memory cards um not sure if you've really seen uh what what the the intention of the dreamcast was but you know there's a memory card on the controller that's like what the memory oh, card really? was. That's that little screen that you see. So the Dreamcast, I mean, this is really cool. The Dreamcast controller has a screen on it and it is, that is the memory card. And the intention was for certain things. And this was possible. You can play certain games. The memory card was like a little game boy. It had buttons on it and you can manage data using the memory card's tiny screen.
1: Wait, 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 hold on. I want to back up. I want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. So you <laughs> literally your controller was the memory card.
0: So the, the memory card plugged into your controller.
1: Oh, okay, so it wasn't tied to that specific controller. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it was you, like you, a slot that went into your controller. Exactly, and that's oh, what okay, that little
0: okay. screen is because the memory card had a screen on it. So the oh, memory card crazy. could actually be taken out of the controller. You can manage your memory card. Remember blocks, bro? Remember memory card blocks? Oh, <laughs> you, you yeah. Can manage, you can manage that through the actual tiny little Game Boy-like screen on your memory card, then you can attach two memory cards together and play games against your friends at school. So you can play some sort of game that had an integration with the memory card. Like, I'm just going to give an example to Vision. This this isn't what happened. But let's say you're playing Pokemon on Dreamcast and you caught a Pokemon and you wanted to take it to school. You could take the memory card with you. Well, and attach it to another memory card. So the vision for the Dreamcast was insane. Was really really cool, right? But I mean,
1: but those were like separate, like little portable things you would take with you, right? To yes. School.
0: Yeah. Um, you detach it from, and the and then control. you plugged
1: in your memory card into them
0: to another memory card. Yeah.
1: Yes. I'm looking at a. Oh, that's so cool. I'm looking at like images on Google right now of it. It kind of looks like Tamagotchis. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: So this was perfect for the time, right? It was just yeah. like. It was kind of top Tamagotchi-esque. Everybody had these little things. Oh my God, I want to get a Tamagotchi now. Uh, everybody had would have these little memory cards for the Dreamcast. They'd take them to school. They'd walk around with them or they'd, they'd play games against each other or their friends that might relate to the game that they're playing at home on their Dreamcast. Not only that, the Dreamcast was going to have, you know, Sega Network, Sega Arena. It was supposed to be a network where you'd connect your Dreamcast to and play games with your friends or, you know, download content in a way. Yeah. Um, there is even visions of, like, downloadable content back then for the Dreamcast. This is the late 90s. So the vision is there, That's right? crazy. But stiff competition enters the market, okay? Sony and the inevitable entrance of Microsoft into the video game space. Sega actually reduced their console price about a year later from its already low $200 to a mere $150. With the intent, the business decision to instead double down on video game first-party development, okay? Their so, margins
1: must have been so bad on this. Yeah, I know it was. They uh, were probably losing money on each console, I bet.
0: They might have been. I mean, I think that those kinds of things are um, held a little bit more closely to the chest, but I'm sure yeah. you can find you could find plenty of stuff like that. But um, you know, I mean, on the 150, the console eventually dropped down to 100 bucks. I'll just say that. So they were probably making zero just to get rid of the consoles. Um, 100%, yeah. Now, the, the intent is Sega was, was still always really great at video game development. Um, they had great first-party development. They had partnerships. They had studios. So they decided that they would double down on video game development. But here's where they messed up. This is my favorite part, okay? Are you ready? This is the fun part. Daddy. Okay. So it turns out, The operating system that ran the Dreamcast was easily exploitable, thereby making the piracy super strong in Regards to the Dreamcast games, but how,
1: how would they get in there and pirate it?
0: I'll show you, I'll tell you right now. Okay. I, got, I got the whole, I got all the details. <laughs> you came
1: prepared, so, folks.
0: The Dreamcast included the ability to play a unique type of CD file format, which was called the MIL CD. It was a multimedia function for optical discs that had full screen video, internet connectivity, and enhanced navigation menus, etc. etc. So it was basically like a CD. Like let's say you really like In Sync, right? Mm. <laughs> this is because this, it's the late '90s, it's the early 2000s. You really like E-S- In Sync. They released an MIL CD that's playable only on the Dreamcast. And when you put the CD in, it's almost like a DVD, but it also has like interactive menus and it can connect to the internet through your Dreamcast. So it's like a really ambitious idea. Going in the complete wrong direction. So rather than trying to think of like streaming video or YouTube or going that, it's like, oh no, like we're going to put. It's almost like proto streaming in a way because it's like it was music paired with video and interactivity connecting to the internet.
1: So it's like so a, so because these consoles could connect to the internet so easily. Because of that, they were able to easily upload. I'll the get there. it's going. even, okay.
0: It's even cooler than that. Okay. So this MIL CD format was actually the downfall of Sega. By pirating games off the internet. So you you or I had a, a PC back in the day. Uh, we would pirate a game, or our friend would burn a disc, but they would burn it on an MIL CD format.
1: So, so is that like a specific file format made for Sega?
0: Uh for these specific uh, types of like optical for, for okay. this specific purpose for for yeah i think it specifically was made for dreamcast and there was a thing for called a, yeah. there was a thing called a boot disc so it was a disc that you'd put into the dreamcast you'd start up your dreamcast and the boot disc would bypass the first level of license check inside of the operating system for the dreamcast so the boot disc would say hey this is a game this is a real game then you take out the boot disc put in a pirated MIL-CD formatted file, which was actually a video game. And then you'd put the Dreamcast back down again and it would play. The boot disc would trick the operating system into thinking you were playing a licensed game. Then you would insert the pirated game, which was in the MIL-CD format, and play your awesome pirated version of Jet Set Radio that little four-year-old Lucas is having a good old time with (laughs) because It's awesome, and there's no way that this game's ideas, concepts, controls, reputations could possibly be thrashed, destroyed, or burned by your (laughs) podcast host, Matt Rockavee, a solid 22 years later. There's no (laughs) way. So the Dreamcast, coming out during a time when PCs were entering the home and piracy was beginning to rear its ugly head, Sega doubles down on content and video games for their home console during the era of LimeWire and illegal downloading and burning of discs. So, as the Dreamcast sales were declining, the worst thing, what I would claim as the final nail on the coffin, okay? Bill Gates and The Rock show the first Xbox in a 2001 presentation.
1: Fucking Rock. He's been killing it since 2002. (laughs) 2001. It
0: was in 2001. Bill Gates and The Rock on stage give a presentation showing the very first Xbox. And this presentation has entered meme status and in the video game mythos. And it went a little something like this. I'm going to quote it, okay? 2001, January, The Rock. He wasn't even Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He was just The Rock. He was just The Rock. He says, Bill Gates, you never cease to amaze The Rock. You're right today about the new Xbox. The new Xbox is everything The Rock is. Cutting-edge, powerful, and exhilarating like The Rock. It will be the most electrifying thing coming out this year. And what The Rock is to sports entertainment and the WWF, the Xbox will be to the video game industry. A breakthrough and certainly an original. I'm I'm excited to be part of it. If you can smell what The Rock is cooking.
1: How can you beat that? You can't and beat that. The like, Dreamcast like, never stood a chance. This is like peak rock wrestling career. <laughs>
0: yeah. And yeah. like to the point where he was still calling himself The Rock in third person and saying, yeah. do you smell The yeah. Rock is cooking? I mean, the Dreamcast never stood a chance when, you know, inevitably yeah. Microsoft entered the marketplace. PlayStation 2 was coming out, which obviously the PS1 was very successful. This is Sony big money. And, you know, it, it didn't have a niche like Nintendo ended up having. Um, when did the
1: xbox officially come out
0: it came out in um november 15 2001
1: okay so about a year pretty much a little over a full year after the
0: after the dreamcast see i, I wonder or after what the playstation happened 2 sorry after Play,
1: yeah and the playstation 2 came out 2002 right
0: no playstation 2 came out october 26 2000
1: i wonder what would have happened if all those three released side by side What do you think would have happened?
0: I don't know. I I think it probably would have been. It it would have come down probably to pure content and video game quality. But Dreamcast still would have been, uh, still would have lost because their games were easy to pirate. I I literally remember pirating games with my. Like, I mean, I was only four, but I remember playing pirated versions of. I mean, I I I think
1: they probably would have sold plenty of consoles, maybe even more consoles than say, like Xbox or Microsoft, rather. Because they're more established, right? And they have all these, like... And everyone... Like you mentioned, everyone loves Sonic. He's so identifiable and stuff. Yeah. But then they would have, like, totally lost and not be able to recover from just how much money they're losing on their consoles. Combined with the fact that the the games where they're supposed to make up their money are getting pirated, right? That's insane. (laughs) Yeah, dude. That's so interesting, too, because I feel like there's this unwritten agreement today. Or maybe there's even a written agreement, you know? Where... Not so much Nintendo, they kind of do their own thing, but Microsoft and Sony, they pretty much always release their consoles within, like, a month of each other, so, like, really close to each other. Um, But, like, you didn't see any of that here, necessarily. I mean, kind of with Sony, right, and the PlayStation 2, but then Xbox comes out a year later and just steals the fucking show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Xbox and GameCube were released within a month's time. They were both released in November of 2001. So, that one... Um, you know, right around the time that the greatest video game of all time got released, Super Smash Brothers Melee for the Nintendo GameCube, still still great. Twenty years later, we're playing, it um, we're we're playing, playing it last night. We're playing last night. We really, we still were. Um, yeah, the Dreamcast story is is pretty pretty tragic, right? Because it has such an awesome start in North America, um, and has all these awesome games. All these games ended up getting ports over to the GameCube or the PlayStation which is pretty pretty crazy. So, like, Sonic Adventure came out on... Or Sonic Adventure 2 Battle came out on GameCube, but I'm sure... I think that Sonic Adventure also got a port. Uh, Soul Calibur 2 was basically a re-release of Soul Calibur, which came out on all three of the other consoles. Soul Calibur 2 came out on PS2, Xbox, and GameCube, each with a different character guest star. And it wasn't, yeah. Re- yeah.
1: yeah I so I remember seeing that growing up, like, oh, yeah. This one is this. This one is that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was so. That was so sick. And like that was Soul Calibur came out on the Dreamcast. It started there. Uh, Skies of Arcadia got a full port to GameCube. That's one of the coolest JRPGs from the time. Um, you got like Code Veronica and Resident Evil Two. Both got re-releases later on. I think for PlayStation. Uh, I think some of the only ones that are really stuck on Dreamcast might be Power Stone. Shenmue, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure that one ha- is on Steam in some sort of way. And Marvel vs. Capcom, but Marvel vs. Capcom 2, I think, was ported over on the other consoles a little bit later. So it just ended up, all the content just ended up going elsewhere. And um, I well, don't know. why would so, you
1: own a Sega if not, or why would you own a Dreamcast if not just to pirate the games onto it, right? Yeah, exactly. So and, did you did, was that, you mentioned you have to have like the boot CD, right, for the Dreamcast to get that pirating to work. Was that like a pretty accessible thing? Like, did it like, did your Dreamcast come with that?
0: No, the, the boot disc was also some, you know, um, contraband really. Uh, it was, I I think it was one of those things that was kind of passed around or burned or copied in some sort of way. I mean, you have to think this, this is like internet 1.0. So this is like AOL chat room era. Right. This is LimeWire era. This is when people are like highly unregulated as far as the internet uh, and people are pirating everything and people are burning discs. That's the main thing, right? Like everyone's at home getting computer viruses via LimeWire and burning discs. So, um, you know, it was easy to access a lot of this stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Do you, do you, do you think there's any world where Sega, well, the company's still going, but do you think there's any world where their console and their hardware didn't die out?
0: See that's interesting. There, there is some sort of alternate, like you know, Earth number three A, right? <laughs> Where Sega didn't die, uh, and I wonder what it looks like, right? I, I wonder if there's any sort of world peace or any big impacts. COVID think, probably
1: never even happened.
0: I think. I think <laughs> COVID <laughs> never happened. I, I think honestly, like let's say, let's say theoretically, you know, Sega is the fourth console mm. um, within within this family of consoles that we have. One they would not have been able to survive with the same type of style that PS, PlayStation and Xbox have. Nintendo has found their niche, so they're never going to die. They just like, f- they just took themselves out of the console war, essentially. I think Sega would have had to eventually adapt into some sort of new role that, that maybe is undiscovered still. Um, but they wouldn't be able to be a multimedia machine. I mean, PS2... I mean, people bought a PS2 because it was a DVD player, too. Yeah. So... It's like, oh, why buy a Dreamcast? Let's spend an extra hundred bucks. We wanted to buy a DVD player anyway. Let's get a PS2.
1: Fun, fun story. I remember when uh, I found out because my first home game console was a PlayStation Two. I remember when I found out it was a DVD player as well. <laughs> I thought that meant I could like unlock some special game mode on my DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> you could so play so your DVDs. I'd be like, I'm gonna play Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and like. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm just getting the DVD. Is the bonus features? Is that? Is that? Is that the game? No. Oh.
0: <laughs> but those those DVDs did have games on them sometimes. Do sometimes you know they did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my uh, <laughs> my, a- my, oh my
1: Goblet God. of Fire copy Harry Potter did I remember? Big Harry Potter fan here.
0: There was a. Did you ever play? There was a Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets DVD that had a special features video game on it. But it was just, it. it was like a video game where you were in Ron's flying car. I forget the name of the car, but whatever. But it was the car, and you were trying to dodge the Whomping Willow. And you basically, <laughs> on your DVD remote, you would push left or right. And you it was a 50-50 chance whether you would die. And that was the game. That was the video game. That was the DVD <laughs> special feature. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's, that's my history lesson of the Dreamcast. Um, and just as a reminder for those of you out there, you know, if you have any other information, any other half assed internet research you want to share with us about the Dreamcast, about Sega, about the console wars in general pre 2000s, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we are available via email at thanksforplayingpodcasts. That's thanksforplayingpodcasts with an s at gmail.com.
1: Uh, Lucas doesn't know what he's talking about oh did i say the wrong email <laughs> i said the wrong email our email is thanks for playing pod at gmail.com That's thanks for playing pod not podcast thanks for playing pod wait what's the account and That's... if you want to shoot us a message on instagram or twitter you can find us at uh tfp podcasts oh, it's i, I got, podcasts got it mixed up with an s at the end and we're on tiktok thanks for playing pod on tiktok it is maybe we'll maybe we'll have a little feature on there this time we haven't posted on there in a while yeah, i uh i, I combined
0: cool. the two i combined the two uh you did because it's tfp podcasts and then t thanks for playing pod
1: yeah you're a little excited okay. tonight i get it it's yeah fine. yeah i know i did a um, lot of
0: research i, I do want to say you know i think there is a really interesting thing about like internet or uh, multimedia historia um like even the idea that there was a file format for CDs that was a multimedia function specifically for the Dreamcast, like and what it what they envisioned for it, I think is so interesting. Um, I mean, the history of media and like all the little avenues that we've gone down, people that like either became millionaires or lost their shirts, I think it's so interesting to to, to read about this kind of stuff, yeah,
1: and I think it's so in- I-, I love how. Well, I love and I hate that kind of part of the downfall of this system was piracy, right? And how it's such a prevalent thing, even today still. Um, yeah, that's just so so interesting how that led to downloading software inadvertently led to the downfall of a hardware product. That's true. That's an interesting thing to think about. Because normally it's like you know, big companies or music labels losing music so people download their movies or whatever illegally. But you no, know, you fucking destroyed... It's fucking sega <laughs> sega oh, a giant a giant <laughs> gaming conglomerate not conglomerate, a company out of japan and do you remember do you know those commercials you, you would you wouldn't download a car right you yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: sega turns out to be like the people that funded those commercials because they, they got lobbyists bankrupt. going. <laughs>
1: god that's crazy and i i hey hey lucas yeah thanks for sharing no, no worries i um as you pointed out at the beginning of this podcast, my my gaming history basically starts with the Game Boy Advance, then goes to PlayStation Two. It was my first two consoles, so uh, I know very little about Sega. The only Sega I've ever played was my cousin's owned a Sega Genesis that I would occasionally play when, when I went to their house for the holidays. So that's interesting, and I mean, I think I think a lot of our audience is going to appreciate this one because um, <laughs> I think I think Sega is sadly probably a little bit forgotten on the console hardware side. So it's mm-hmm. inter- interesting um gosh yeah that's nutty uh lucas what's up um congratulations you're starting a new Congrats. job this week
0: oh thanks man Appreciate
1: yeah it. I, I wanted to give you a little shout out we don't have to go too personal you know we don't have yeah. to we don't have to get into the company name we don't want people scouring you you know searching you <laughs> on linkedin but um i want to i want to get your opinion because this is a uh, something you and i talk about quite a lot is corporate bro culture and where you Big fan. What what's your opinion on the on the current state of corporate culture in America?
0: Um I think we're heading in the right direction culturally in regards to like, you know, corporate work culture. Um but I, I think we're heading in the right direction, but I still think that there's a lot of um there's a lot of negative, there's a lot of unhealthiness to it, and there's a lot of like lack of thought and lack of like fulfillment at the end of the day. Um, I'm noticing that a lot more companies are moving towards a more cultural approach to their management uh moving to you know a more abstract idea of identity when it comes to companies and and organizations that you work for rather than companies of our parents generation which you know were were big and ladder driven and you know climb more the corporate intent- ladder yeah Yeah climb, now, climb the corporate you, ladder all that You kind
1: mentioned of stuff. lack of fulfillment Yeah is that does that come from the company from not giving them a fulfilling role, or does that come from the person that enters a sales role where their main function is to make money?
0: Yeah, um, this I could actually go on a lot about this. Um, I think that it's it's a comp- it's it's a cultural thing. It's like a societal problem, I think, but it, it's perpetuated in sometimes by the organizations that that pay us to live or you know pay us the money that we need to live. Um, you know, it used to be our parents' generation. Um, lived in a time where you know you didn't. You, you worked in the same place where you grew up, and you knew all the people that you grew up with lived in the same area, and that was it. But you know, you find that a lot of younger people, um, I'd say people, you know, exer maybe younger, you know, older millennial and younger, thirty eight to, to younger um, for now for this current year. Um, there are people that don't work in the same place where they grew up. You don't. I don't. No. Right. Um, and what happens is you have a, a lot of people that are you know, struggling with what their identity is while working in a place surrounded by other people who are doing the same thing. Um, because everybody is working, especially we're all remote now too, everyone's trying to have the same cultural values even though they're all in completely different places raised by completely different people. I mean – my grandma or grandpa, they you know they might have just worked at the factory in the town and that was it. They didn't need to worry about anybody else's cultural norms. They all just shared the same cultural, societal, geographic right. norms. But now everyone's is different. So there's a lack of identity within our new work culture that I think newer companies, the smart companies, are working on. Um, and how do you but, yeah. solve
1: it? Do you, do you give them snacks? Cold blue on tap? <laughs> ping pong table in the break room?
0: It doesn't hurt. It it doesn't hurt. Um, I think as as long as um, that that type of mentality is not is not hollow, it's true and it's real and tangible,
1: and consistent. Then there's nothing. What makes wrong it with tangible? Um, what's the difference of a company putting a a ping pong table in a break room because they really do want to inspire a fun environment where you're encouraged to collaborate and things like that. What's the difference between that and then a company putting a ping pong table in the break room because they want to forget about how shitty your job is and okay. to want you to notice how fun, quote, fun the work environment is.
0: Right. I'd say what's tangible and what isn't would probably be, you know, there's a weekly ping pong table tournament. There's a weekly ping pong tournament at one place. And at the other place with a ping pong table, it's it never there. gets used at all. It's just there. It's
1: just there for sure. So they encourage uh, you to use their utilities and to express yourself.
0: Yeah. And like... Maybe the CEO plays in the tournament. Maybe the CFO is really good at ping pong. Maybe
1: like... Division one know, champ.
0: Yeah. Maybe maybe people care about it. Maybe yeah. people care about it just as much as they care about other things. Maybe you know? they care about and, it as
1: much as they care about their job.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I, I'm i know you i mean I know you say that as a little bit of a joke but I, yeah I, I i think that's healthy you know i'm not I i'm not like, kidding I, oh I, yeah
1: <laughs> okay good me neither yeah if my company had a soccer league i guarantee I'd care more about winning a soccer league than being number one on my numbers that quarter yeah and, and,
0: and that's that's a holistic approach to life right because being being good at soccer is is not a flat thing it's it's not there's nothing wrong with that at all because ultimately you're you're an individual that wants to be healthy that that wants to grasp at something and feel good so winning at a soccer tournament hey man that makes you feel good then you gotta you gotta pursue that right yeah. so uh if the company culture is is doesn't view the individual as just uh somebody to help towards the goal but somebody to help towards the goal and find out who they are and maybe even help them discover a little bit about themselves that's good and and again the smart companies in corporate america are currently doing this
1: i think yeah yeah, the big ones, right? Yeah. Dang, what a yeah, I
0: kind of went, I kind of went off right there on. The- no, no <laughs> that, was, that was
1: that was quality. I, uh, I, I asked you, Lucas, because I know you're human, with words that wants to talk. I'm a the person. To say you're a person that we value. I have,
0: I have feelings and opinions, and sometimes those opinions <laughs> are interesting. I feel things, I read things, I watch things, you and read that's books. what how that's how I want to be seen. You
1: have a college degree. Smart guy. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. smart, maybe. No, no, I just, uh, I I wanted to bring it up. I feel like corporate culture is so interesting today, especially, especially in today's remote culture, right? How do you make someone feel important when they don't have that ping pong table, right? And I mean that even like, let's say it's the most meaningful ping pong table, like the best, the best, uh, Example we could use where it's actively encouraged to be used, or where they have kegs in the in the break room, right? Because they want you to use those kegs mid midday when you're having a bad day, right? Yeah. Um, and now we don't have that, so like, what's the alternate solution, right? You know, that's that's I think that's what the question a lot of companies are be navigating right now, because especially these sales companies. Like, I've interviewed at a few different, not recently, but when I was looking more actively for jobs a couple of years ago, I interviewed at a couple different sales companies and like recruiting firms and stuff, and it's like. Uh, they, they all sell the same thing, right? Like, this, this fun corporate culture. And it, some of them may mean it. Some of them don't. I can't speak for ones I haven't worked out, obviously. Um, where they sell, like, oh, this fun office environment that kind of maybe makes up for kind of some of the tedious stuff of the job. Because at the end of the day, like, if you're in sales, you, you know what you're doing. It, it's sales is sales at the end of the day. Or staffing is staffing. Things like that. Um, So I wonder how are some of these companies picking up for, you know, I can say my company's doing things like hosting fun little virtual events with like some pretty interesting people um, and like virtual magic shows and things like that, which sounds cheesy, but it's fun. I I appreciate it. Um, So I'm wondering what some of these other companies are doing. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was was going to say like, you know, there's perks like them giving their employees good work from home setups, right? Or... Um, like stipends maybe for internet since you're having to do all your internet stuff at home now for work. Ooh, I like that. Um, I my like company's that. doing that now actually, which I really appreciate. I get a little That's great. stipend each check. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, especially as we see, as we come out of the pandemic, right? You know, hopefully a year from today, things are pretty much fully back to normal, right, with the vaccines and everything. I wonder how going forward is that stuff carried on? Because especially now, you have so many more employees that are probably working remote, right? Um, the the hybrid the hybrid uh, office and um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Hybrid. I go into the
0: office twice a week. Yeah, yeah the the Friday, hybrid yeah. the
1: hybrid worker is going to be much more um, prominent. You know, like even like I like going into my office to see my employees that I work with my coworkers, but I don't see myself going in more than two or three days a week now because I. I oh, like rolling either. out of my bed. <laughs> oh yeah, <man. laughs> Just I, working. I, and <laughs> I, I think,
0: you know, everybody from, you know, the entry level, uh, junior person to the CEO, they, they understand that completely. And that, yeah. that's the good part about where we're at now. I think culturally. Um, and I really, I really appreciate that. And t- to answer your question, like how do you solve for the cultural gaps? Uh, it's funny. We're speaking so, so heavily on this, you know, we're such, such great corporate American leaders. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you want to solve those gaps, you know I know how my generation would solve those gaps, um, and it's like a Discord channel and some video games, you know, twice a week. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I, I can I can see those kinds of things getting normalized more. Like, oh, we got a yo, we got work Discord, we got a league team, we play this other kind. like those kinds of things could actually be like very tangible, very very real in the next like five to ten years as people like me and you's generation start to enter the workforce more heavily or like and get into more leadership leadership. positions and set these policies yeah dude if me or you ran a a traditional company like a sales-based company we sold x we had y margins i mean if you and me ran it there would be a melee setup in the office like there would be video games there you know what i mean there would be cold brew there would be beer because me and you like cold brew beer and
1: melee (laughs) so
0: so it's like uh the 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 thi- and and honestly, I'd have a policy like, yo, you get promoted if you can beat my Marth. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. And it, it, you know, you want you bits. want your fucking Christmas bonus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Wave dash shine up, smash me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man, yeah. I mean, and I think it, I, I, like we're heading in that direction. Truly, truly, truly heading in that direction. I, I'm I'm really excited for where things are going. To be honest, to answer your very very first question about corporate culture. Um, I'm just waiting for the day where we have the CRT in the office and we're
1: just we're just doing that. Yeah, yeah. I w- I will say I will I will give a little shout out when I I, uh, I entered at Blizzard for a little bit during school and my one of my managers loved melee and one of the co I was in the esports office there so like we I brought my CRT and we had a melee set up in there and it was sick <laughs> as hell. That's so that's yeah. so sick. Like take midday breaks to get bought by my coworkers. <laughs> what, what we got <laughs> What we got to do is like
0: when we're in real big leadership positions anywhere, we got to like do like inter-competitive industry. Like, I don't know. Let's say we're in the plastics industry. We sell plastic. I don't know. I just made that up. Uh, we gotta <laughs> play melee with the other guy that runs the other plastic company.
1: Yo, <laughs> we got to crew
0: battles with the other plastic <laughs> company. Uh, we got to We got to get everybody in on it, dude. It's going to be crazy.
1: <laughs> I'm just imagining like, uh, a- like a melee crew battle between like hedge funds right now or like big oil companies. <laughs> <laughs> like That's what's going to happen. That's you what's going to happen. Um, and on the blue team, we got the Moderna, Moderna crew facing off against Pfizer. Dude,
0: <laughs> that would be, that'd be sick. That'd be so awesome.
1: Companies are going to have league teams. We're going to have... That's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here, here's a question. Here's a question. Of um, between Microsoft and sony who plays the spacey who plays the floaty
0: Ooh, sony's playing the floaty am i am i being uh, crass with
1: that i think you might be right
0: <laughs> i mean anybody i yeah. i feel like the xbox is for hardcore gamers bro gamers that kick ass of course they're <laughs> playing the spacey
1: uh can't fight that one can't fight that one all right i all think right. that's a that's a good wrapping up point for today yeah. um and as always everyone as we delightfully mentioned midway in this episode if you want to get in touch with us uh shoot us an email thanks for playing pod at gmail.com hit us up on instagram twitter at uh, tfp podcast tiktok thanks for playing pod um and hang out with me on twitter um i have some good stuff here and there. some good content it's all right <laughs> uh you can follow me on twitter at good idea matthew and lucas where can we find you online you could find me on instagram twitter and twitch at good
0: idea lucas not very active on twitter that's okay not very active on twitch he's not quite honestly but man i've been posting some really funny things on instagram on my story he's got um, a good instagram instagram the, i'm working on the instagram it's, it's kind of going out there you know i'm realizing matt i don't really have that uh, like if i just got rid of all social media right now i don't think i would even feel anything at all I get little dopamine rushes when I get a bunch of likes, like on my last post post on Instagram. (laughs) A lot of dopamine there, but like, I mean, I could always just like take a vitamin,
1: maybe probably get the same amount. (laughs) Take some vitamin D, go for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) Feel that, man? Yeah, and hey, maybe instead of uh, next time you go on your phone, um, audience, maybe maybe instead of checking Instagram, maybe instead you leave us a review, uh, subscribe, leave a review, follow us on any podcast platform you listen to us on. Um, give us the five star ratings. Give we us need five it. We rating. it. We it. We want it. You want it. We want the five star rating. Want the five star rating. All right, everyone. This has been anything's possible. And as always, remember, anything's possible.